We're going to talk about baptism today, and I have three goals. My first goal is that if you are a Christian and you're not baptized, by the end of this sermon, you will take the next step to go in that direction. My, also, my second goal is that if you are a Christian and you are already baptized, that you would remember your baptism in a deeply significant way. And third, if you're not a Christian, uh, hopefully by the end of this message, you'll hear the voice of God calling you uh, into relationship with God. And so um, that's my hope for uh, this message today. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 3, and at the end of this message, after I preach, we're going to have a time of a, a baptismal renewal blessing for those who are already baptized to come up and remember their baptism, and I'll explain that as we move towards the end of this message. But Galatians chapter 3, there's so many verses to preach from about baptism, but I think this one is important for our congregation. Galatians 3, beginning in verse 26, hear the word of the Lord. It says, so in Christ Jesus... You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we offer ourselves to you and we open ourselves to the work of your spirit through this preached word. And Jesus, open our hearts, our ears, and our eyes to all you want to do in us this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. As many of you know, every year I spend some time at monasteries praying with Christian monks, particularly at this monastery in in the Boston area. And every year I join them for a few days to pray multiple times a day. The first time I did this was about 12 years ago. And every time I go, it's a really moving experience for me to be in silence, to be in prayer, to be in contemplation. But the first time I went, I was really moved to learn about baptism, a particular expression of baptism. As we were heading into the church service that night, there were about seven or eight other people on retreat, and we were in a single file line about to enter into the sanctuary where the worship was going to take place. And I was about fourth or fifth on the line, and as I looked ahead of me, I noticed that the other people on retreat were dipping their hand into this basin of water, and as they dipped their hand, then they would make the sign of the cross placing the water on their forehead and then making the sign of the cross and then entering into the sanctuary. Now, I had never done anything like this, and so I was a bit self-conscious. I was a bit nervous about this. There were people behind me. I wanted to do it the right way, and so didn't want to have any problems here. And so kind of nervously, I walked behind the person, and I dipped my hand in, not knowing how deep the water was in that basin, and basically wet my entire hand in there. And as I come back, I did it very quickly. I just kind of like did that there. And, and it was like the baseball signs, you know, I was uh, this, this here. And, and, um, and, and the water started just dripping down. To, it made it seem like I was crying as my way into church. I was like very holy that day. And I walked in and, and then I sat down. Then towards the end of the service, it was as a night service. And so it was very dark. There's a couple of candles lit. And again, we got in a single file line to exit the church. And I saw that something was happening. I couldn't see too far ahead of me because of how dark it was. And out of nowhere, the monks were just 
sprinkling people with water before you got out. And as I found out, because water fell right in my eye. And I just, just like, so I'm walking out, uh, receiving the water on my way in and being sprinkled in my eye on the way out. And so I had questions. And so I meet with this Christian monk the next day and I said, hey, can you explain to me what's happening when you enter into the church and, and place water on your forehead and then when you walk out of the church why you're being sprinkled. And the monk had a very simple explanation for me that has since shaped the way I understand baptism. And this is what he said. He said, the water that you placed on your forehead or you were sprinkled on reminds you of your baptism. And your baptism reminds you that you belong to Jesus Christ. The water reminds you of your baptism. And your baptism reminds you that you belong to Jesus Christ. You don't belong to any other person. You fundamentally and at the core of your life and being, you belong to Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but every day I need to be reminded that I belong to Jesus. When I'm driving on Queens Boulevard and someone cuts me off, I need to be reminded, oh yeah, I I belong to Jesus. When I'm on the train and some drama breaks out, you know, the R train, 4 train, 8, doesn't matter which train, um, I need to be reminded, oh yeah, I belong to Jesus. Whenever trials come my way, challenges come my way, I need to be reminded, I belong to Jesus. Whenever temptations come my way and temptations come your way, I need to be reminded that I belong to Jesus. This is the essence of what baptism signifies, I belong to Jesus. Now, many of us, when we come into church, we have experiences and understandings and various theologies about what baptism signifies and why we get baptized. For some of us, we got baptized or we get baptized because it's a kind of cultural necessity. Not really tied to faith, but because your parent did it and your grandmother did it and your great-grandmother did it, you just kind of go down this road of cultural necessity, and so you get baptized because everybody else in your family got baptized. For others, people get baptized because of fear. It's fear-based because we think if I don't get baptized, somehow God is not going to be pleased, something's wrong with my life. And so from time to time, I get emails and phone calls from anxious grandparents, from anxious parents who say, I gotta get my kid in the water because if my kid is not baptized, God is not going to be pleased. And so it's done out of fear. In some places it's done out of cultural kind of heritage, in other places it's done because of fear, but the Apostle Paul wants us to show, wants to show us why we get baptized and why it's important for us to follow Christ in this way. That to be baptized is to be joined to Jesus Christ in a powerful and unique way, and this is what we see throughout the New Testament, particularly in the book of Acts. When someone gets baptized in the book of Acts, they get baptized, when they come to Christ, they come to Christ and immediately they get baptized because they're letting the world know there is, uh, I have a new association, I, I am taking the next step. It was kind of a rite of passage into a whole new world, a whole new reality. And this is what Paul is showing the Galatian church in chapter three, the passage we just read, to be baptized is to enter into a new world and to see in a new way. He writes to this church that's experiencing division. 
He writes to this church that has some theological problems. He writes to this church that has forgotten their baptismal identity. And so he reminds them to let them know what their identity is and where their unity is to be found. Now, baptism is a word that comes up in the New Testament a lot. And it's a word that was not originally a religious word. It's a common word. It's a word that's used over and over again in different settings in ancient times. And so Paul just took that common word and now applied it to Jesus. But it's a common word that everyone used. For example, if Jesus was hanging with his disciples and it was 11 p.m. and, and they were hungry and they went to like a fast food spot and, and, and work with me here, and, and, they, and, and they ordered chicken nuggets or chicken tenders and, and, and one of the disciples had sauce there, Jesus would say, uh, can you pass me the sauce because I want to, the Greek word is baptizo, I want to baptizo this nugget into the sauce. So you see that there? And so it, to, to be baptized was to plunge something, to soak something, to eat immerse something. And so it was a common word that people would use. But Paul now takes that word and applies it to our relationship with Jesus. Baptizo. It means to wash, to soak, to dip. And in that context, prior to Christ's death and resurrection, there were all different kinds of baptisms. There were cultural baptisms, ethnic baptisms, religious baptisms for sure, but there was one particular baptism in Jewish faith where a Gentile wanted to become a Jew religiously, and so they would have to be baptized. And Jewish teaching states that when a Gentile wished to become a Jew religiously, the Gentile had to go undergo baptism. And the Talmud, Jewish teaching, would say that when the convert goes under the water, he goes down as a Gentile but comes up as a Jew. Now, when Paul writes about this, a Jewish man, he is taking that, but he is applying it in a different way. And Paul is saying those who are in Christ, those who come to Christ, when you get baptized, you're not just simply being baptized as a Gentile and coming up as a Jew. This is what he's saying. You're getting baptized as a dead person, and you're coming up an alive person, alive in Christ. And that's what baptism signifies. God has made me alive in Jesus Christ, which is the core message of the gospel. Christianity is not about God making bad people good or good people better. Christianity is about God making dead people come alive. That if you're experiencing death in Christ, you can come to life. And so Paul's writing to this church. And saying, remember your baptism. Something happened when you got baptized. And I want to explain just a few things that happened when we got baptized and how your baptism, whether it was 20 minutes ago or whether it was 20 years ago, how it is to shape the way we live in the world. First of all, Paul's saying to get baptized means this. Baptism is a public announcement of a new allegiance or public declaration of a new allegiance. In verse 26, it says, we are baptized into Christ, which is to say we're baptized out, we come out of something into Christ. And so through baptism, we say no to the world. We declare that we don't want to be children of darkness anymore. We want to be children of God's light. 
And so we don't want to escape the world, but we want to live differently. We don't want to live in the grips of the world and the world system because we are in Christ. And so baptism now publicly declares, I have a new allegiance. I have a new relationship. I have a new uh, person that I am giving my entire self to, which is why baptism is, is very similar to a, a wedding. When someone gets married, you meet someone, you fall in love, and, and you want to now publicly announce to the world there is a new allegiance that you have, and you want to let the world know about it. You know, it's strange if you're in love with someone and you say, let's get married, I can't wait to marry, but no one can know about it. Don't tell anyone about this. You'd be like, how much do you love me? Uh, it'd be strange, wouldn't it? But no, no, you want to let the world know. You want to let the world know. There is the public announcement of a new allegiance, and this is what Paul is saying. You have a new allegiance, and your identity is now found in Jesus Christ. And we need to be reminded of this on a regular basis. Because on a regular basis, there are forces, there are people, there are movements that want to claim our allegiance. But baptism says my allegiance is to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Every single day, there is a person, a group, a movement that calls for my allegiance, often in ways that are inconsistent with the way of Christ and his kingdom. And every time that invitation or temptation comes, our response is to say no. It's Christ over everything. He has my allegiance. Now, there are allegiances that we have that are uh, harmless. They're just kind of like fun allegiances. For example, I have a, uh, a sports allegiance. And it's, you know, you know I, 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 like I, I am, a, I, my allegiance is to the Mets. My allegiance is to the Knicks. My allegiance is to the New York Jets. And no one can convince me otherwise. That they have my allegiance. Now, um, and, and, and you have to know this, that, that there's nothing you can do to change my mind about that. And you also need to know that God uh, is a Mets fan, and God is a <laughs> Knicks fan, and God is a Jets fan. I got a Bible verse for you. The Bible says that God, G-A-W-D, God, God is close to the brokenhearted. Yeah, that's right. And so... Uh, my heart is always broken. And so, amen. That's the Bible verse for you. So, and, and so we have our sports allegiances. We have our products that we have allegiances to. Oh, that's good and fun and all that. But then there are dangerous allegiances that we have. And we need to name the various allegiances that seek to suck us into their orbits and keep us from the way of Jesus and his kingdom. And it's important to name the various allegiances and to say, I've been baptized. My allegiance is to Jesus Christ. There are allegiances where you have to be able to say Christ over this and name it with specificity. Christ over family. Now hear this. Jesus says in the Gospels, if you do not hate your mother or father, you cannot be my disciple. Now, wait a second. How could Jesus say that? Now, what Jesus is saying, it should be clear that he's not saying hate your mother and father, as in, but he's saying your ultimate allegiance 
is not to your mother and father. Your ultimate allegiance is to Christ. That's where our ultimate allegiance. And so it's Christ over family. It's Christ over any kind of like church or church leadership. There's some churches that we, we come out of or we've been a part of that, that you can't ask any questions, you can't disagree, you can't have any resistance at all. And so that's called the cult. That's, that, that's what that's called. That's, 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 that, and so it's Christ over any kind of institutional form, any kind of leadership, especially that's not consistent with Christ in the kingdom of God. Christ over that. It's Christ over country. Listen to, we've been trained, as Americans, we've been trained to pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. But, there, but as I grow older, that's something we have to discern. Because my allegiance is not to a country. My fundamental allegiance is not to a flag. My fundamental allegiance is not to a nation. My fundamental allegiance is to Jesus Christ. Which means any time a nation or a country operates in policies, operates in rhetoric, operates in any kind of form or fashion that's inconsistent with Jesus and the way of his kingdom, the follower of Jesus would do well to say no to that. My allegiance is not with that. My allegiance is with Christ. And in this world, we need to be reminded where our allegiance stands. Our allegiance is not with a political party. Our allegiance is not with any kind of politician. Our allegiance is not with any multinational corporation. Our allegiance is to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so, when people talk a particular way about immigrants or refugees or the unborn, no, 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 my allegiance is to Christ. And when it means to say no, I say no. I pledge allegiance to the cross. I pledge allegiance to Christ. Now, that doesn't mean don't pray that, don't say that phrase or what have you, but know where your ultimate allegiance lies. It lies with Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Paul is saying you have a new allegiance, and, and every single day you are trying to, you will be co-opted. To show allegiance to someone else, Christ over family, Christ over any kind of institutional church, Christ over country, Christ over myself. There are dreams and goals and plans that we have for our lives, and we want God to fit into our dreams and goals and plans that we have in our lives. And then Christ says, you have your dreams and plans, but where is your allegiance? Is your allegiance to your dreams and your plans and your goals, or is your allegiance to me? Which means there are times where I have to let go of my dreams and my plans and my goals because my allegiance is to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. This is what Paul is saying. You are baptized into Christ. You belong to him. He is your identity. But beyond identity, Paul gets to talking about unity as well. And this is the second thing that Paul gets at when he talks about baptism. What does it mean to be a baptized Christian? What does it mean to follow Christ in this way? Not just that my allegiance is to Jesus, but to be baptized is to point to a countercultural unity. 
that baptism signifies and the Holy Spirit shapes. In verse 28, Paul says, he, he goes from our identity in Christ, and then he begins to talk about the social landscape of the world. And this is what he says. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, but all are one in Christ Jesus. Now, notice this. When Paul, when we get baptized, we get baptized into Christ, and we get baptized into a new community, a new way of belonging to each other in the world, a way that's different than how the world relates to itself. Now, let me explain it this way. When Paul says Jew and Gentile, slave, free, male or female, he is putting people together who have historically not been seen on an even level. In that context, Jew was better than Gentile. In that context, free is better than slave. In that context, male are, is better than female, higher, superior. And Paul says, it might work like that out there. But in the people of God, with the people of God, any kind of categorical differences that we have no longer become the way that we measure ourselves up to other people. Because our identity is not in our categorizations. Our unity is found in Christ. Which is why when we come into church, we don't bring in all the accolades that we've earned out there into the body of Christ and use it as a way to position ourselves as better or less than others. We leave, in a sense, we leave our degrees out there. You might be a professor, but in this place here, you're a brother and sister. You might be a top executive, but in this place, you are a brother and sister. You, you might have all the money in the world, but in this place, you're no better than anyone else, and you're, you're not less than anyone else. You are on even terms with every, we are a brother and sister in need of mercy from God. And so, and so you, might be high, you might have a nice corner office. You might not have a nice view of the city. But when you come into this community, you don't base your identity on all of that. You leave it out there. Your identity is now in Christ, not in what you've done. And so the church is, it's, it's a surprising community because in the church it is possible that someone who, does not, who has not graduated from high school to mentor someone who has multiple master's degrees. In the body of Christ, it is possible for someone who works in the mailroom, in the back office, to teach someone who is a top-level executive in the same corporation. That might not happen out there, but we're not out there. We're in here. There's a new identity. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female. There's a new kind of community here. And so Paul here, he's not dissolving differences. He's not saying there's no such thing as male and female. There's no such thing as Jewish. But he's saying those differences are no longer the means by which we measure ourselves against someone else. We all need grace. We all need mercy. We are all on the same footing in Christ. And so Paul says we are to form a counter-cultural unity. That's what baptism does. It says you're part of a new family. A new family that's not based on accolades and degrees and accomplishments. A new family that's based on one singular thing. We are in desperate need of Christ Amen. and his grace and mercy. And so baptism is about this countercultural unity that's formed. 
But there's one more thing I want to focus on here. And I could give you 10, 12 things here, but I want to give you one more thing to hang our thoughts on, hang our hearts on, and then we'll have this baptismal renewal portion of our service. Baptism is thirdly, ultimately about our surrender, our surrender to Jesus, that we belong to Jesus Christ. And our baptism is an act whereby we say, I'm surrendering everything to Christ. This is what I did some 20 years ago. This is a picture of me when I got baptized, my day of baptism 20 years ago in a small Assemblies of God church in South Ozone Park. And uh, look at all that white on white. White, I got white, uh, white on white everything. And so when I got baptized that day, I realized that I wasn't just getting wet. I realized that something, there was a fundamental shift happening in my soul. That I wasn't just getting wet, I was basically saying, I surrender all to Jesus Christ. This is what Maria just did today. I surrender all to Jesus Christ. And so that morning, I remember I fasted. It was the first time I ever fasted. And it was miserable. It was a miserable day. And, 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 and I couldn't wait to eat. And, and then I got baptized. But when I got baptized and came out of the water, I, I realized I don't belong to myself any longer. I belong to Jesus Christ. This is why Paul says, and I want his life to now flow through me, to be lived in me. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, and I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, my, my identity has shifted. I no longer live for myself. I surrender all to Jesus Christ. And this is what baptism has signified. And so as you think about your baptism, whether it was five years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you essentially said, I surrender all to Christ. And the reality is we don't always do it every day, which is why we need to be reminded of our baptism. You belong to Jesus Christ. He's claimed you. You are his. And now I am called to surrender all. Now, before we get into this baptismal renewal portion of it, let me just say a couple of important things. And it's first that baptism doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Christ saves us. Yet at the same time, I want to say something equally strong, and it is this. If you are a Christian, if you say yes to Christ, baptism is not an option. I want to say that as strongly as I can. This is not a thing of, if I, I'll think about it. Let me pray about it. This is nothing you pray about. If you belong to Jesus Christ, baptism is not an option. Now, it's you saying, I belong to him, and now I, in obedience, I'm going to now declare a new allegiance and enter into this new rite of passages, if you will. And so if you're not a Christian here, the invitation very simply is this. We want you to say yes to Christ in this way. And next week, we have a baptism class, and we're offering it for those who have said yes to Christ, but you've never been baptized. And we want to help you take the next step in obedience to God, to say yes to Jesus in this way. And so in your bulletin, there's a, a next step card. You can fill that out. You can talk to us at the end of the service. 
if you want to take that next step. But your next step, if you are already a Christian but you've never been baptized, is to get baptized. But what I also want to do is position us for this baptismal renewal. And in a moment, I'm going to invite some folks up in a moment. And everyone's going to have down below here in the back of this room and up in the balcony. We'll have uh, cups with water in it. And as you come forward, the pastors and leaders in the front here will just place a dab of water on your forehead. And they'll say these words. Remember your baptism. You belong to Jesus Christ. And that water on our forehead is a tangible reminder that you don't belong to yourself. You belong to Jesus Christ. He has claimed you as his own. And so I want to invite you to stand and invite those who are going to offer just this baptismal blessing to come down below in the back and in the balcony. And the worship team is going to lead us. And very simply, as you feel led by God to come forward. This is not a have to do it. You're invited to do this. As you come forward, as, as you sense God leading you, just come forward. And Mabel and Tony, why don't you just come more, to the, come more towards the middle here. And the folks will be right in, uh, up in the balcony as well. And as God leads, just come forward. And after water is placed on your forehead and you hear the words, remember your baptism, you belong to Jesus. Just go back to your seat and just sing and just wait. And I'll come back up to close our time. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the good news that Christ has died and yet is alive. And that in his name, we can have a new life, forgiveness of sins, everlasting life. And Jesus, may this water, may you sanctify it, bless it now. And may this water be a tangible reminder of our baptism. For those of us who've been baptized, may it remind us of our baptism. And may this water remind us that we belong to you. Move in this place. Set our hearts free. May our allegiance be to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As God leads you, please come forward and then go back to your seat and I'll close our service. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone. This solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ, I stand. alone who took on flesh fullness 
peace of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till all Hold the space for a second. You belong to Jesus Christ. He claims you as his own. When the world overlooks you, when family members reject you, when friends turn their back on you, Jesus says, you belong to me. Just take that in for a moment. Just receive those words for a moment.
For those of you still fighting the trauma of abandonment, parents who have forgotten you, of spouses who have rejected you, hear the words of Jesus spoken over you today. You belong to me. Those of you fired from jobs and corporations, Jesus says, you belong to me. Those of you wandering and it feels aimlessly, Jesus says, you belong to me. Living in the shadows in this country, feeling overlooked, Jesus says, you belong to me. Jesus, may this baptismal renewal remind us that you claimed us, you searched for us, you called us by name, you forgave us, you poured out mercy on us, and you are with us. And we thank you. Amen. As we close our service, I want to invite our prayer team to come to this side, invite uh, those who are going to offer the bread and the cup, our sister Yafana to come here as well. And um, this is what I like to say. When we have tangible things like the cup and the bread or whether it's a cup that's been set apart to remind us of our baptism, the elements, this is what sacramental means. The elements are to help to infuse our imagination to see the presence of God everywhere. And here's the hope out of today. The hope is that whenever it rains, that you don't go, oh, it's raining again. The hope is that we find Christ everywhere and go, it's raining. I'm reminded of my baptism. I belong to Jesus. When you're taking a shower, and even when there's no hot water, Amen. you might say it this way, but I belong to Jesus. When you are thirsty and you're receiving a glass of water, that's what it means to live sacramentally, that everything now reminds me and points to Jesus Christ. And I want to live in such a way, this is what I'm going to preach about next week, I want to live in such a way that wherever I look, I see God and God's activity flowing. We have our prayer team here, and we'd love to pray for you. Uh, Sister Yafana, why don't you come to right here, and for those who are praying, we can spread out a little bit right here because it's, it's a bit tight. And if you have any needs, we want to pray for you, for whatever need you have. And, um, and so please come for forward for prayer and to come for the bread and the cup. Uh, it'll really help us also if you can take some chairs and place them on the side. So those of you down here, we have something to set up here. So if you wouldn't mind taking a chair or two, just put it to the wall and down here, put it to the wall. That'll really help us uh, to take next steps for whatever's happening in this room. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven.
you're new to our congregation, we open our hands as a sign of receiving blessing out of which we offer blessing to the world. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that you belong to Jesus Christ. And may you offer his life and his love and his presence to the world around you this week. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the saving name of Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you all.